Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord for more than seven decades, and these life studies represent his contribution to the ever-expanding understanding of the revelation of the Bible. The purpose of these life studies is to present the truths contained in the scriptures and to minister the genuine life supply, to solve the common and hard problems found in the Bible and to open up every book of the Bible through interpretation. We're very happy to bring you selected portions from his speaking today. If you'd like to learn more about the Life Studies, please visit our website at lifestudy.com. Simply lifestudy.com. Now, here's today's program. The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament was raised up by the Lord during a particularly difficult time in Israel's history. During the 41 years of Jeremiah's ministry, Israel was carried away into exile at least three times. Certainly, this negative history is an important part of the book of Jeremiah. But there also is a marvelous aspect to this book as it unveils the restoration of Israel as well as God's tenderheartedness and righteousness in his care for his chosen people, even in the midst of their frequent rebellions. And of course, as is always the case in this life study of the Bible, we will see Christ revealed in the context of his divine economy today and throughout this new life study of Jeremiah. Francis Ball is here for our first program of Jeremiah. Francis, strikes me that reading this, uh, this book, of course, uh, following it, we'll have another book written by Jeremiah called Lamentations. And on one hand, there's a lot for him to lament about, uh, wasn't there? My, uh, this is one of the things that Jeremiah is noted for among all Christians who have read the book that he is a weeping prophet. He is really one with God in his tenderheartedness, and we'll see also how he is one with God in his righteousness. With Israel's situation, it made him very sad and caused him to weep a lot. Yeah. But also, he was obligated to speak the truth concerning God's righteousness that must deal with disobedience to God. In the uh, opening pages of the printed life study, uh, of course, there's a segment in there that talks about even the word, the name Jeremiah, had two uh, important meetings. So why don't you pass those on, Francis, as we yeah. begin here? I noticed in that, too, that Brother Lee brings out that the name Jeremiah has two meanings. One is Jehovah is exalted. Amen. <laughs> and the other one is Jehovah tears down. I don't know how you put these two together, but I think we'll see in this series of messages, how this really explains Jeremiah. 41 years, uh, really all of these 41 years were uh, in some way terrible for the nation of Israel. We'll see a number of things in this book as it unfolds. This uh, program today is somewhat in the category of an overview, as often these first messages are as we begin a new book. We're not going to really uh, sequentially get into all of the material, but we'll open with the first uh, three verses of Jeremiah. But in this book, Francis, we're going to see, number one, that as you mentioned, Jeremiah was very much one with the Lord, particularly in this matter of uh, his being tender-hearted, and that enabled the Lord to really use him to convey his tender-heartedness and his righteousness towards Israel. Uh, that's uh, an important quality if we uh, are going to be useful to the Lord in a certain circumstance that we match him, isn't it? That's very important, and I think this is marvelous 
in Jeremiah's case that he matches God in these two ways, tenderheartedness and righteousness. Let's look at a couple of verses, as I said uh, at the beginning of the book here. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of Jehovah came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. And as we mentioned uh, right at the beginning here, uh, it speaks of the captivity of Jerusalem. Captivity and exile are really the overlay in terms of the backdrop of this book, and uh, I think that is helpful to understand why this book has at times a very kind of negative tenor to it. Well, there certainly has to be this negative tenor if God is going to manifest his righteousness. But it's wonderful to see the tenderheartedness. Right. But, Chris, I my impression is that many, many Christians are very happy about God's tenderheartedness, but they're not, not, so, not, so, happy not so happy about his righteousness when he has to come in and deal with right. his people. Jehovah's exalted and Jehovah tears down. That's right. All right. Let's join Witness Lee Francis. Jeremiah is a book very particular concerning God's tender heart plus his righteousness. Secondly, this book is an autobiography of Jeremiah. Jeremiah quite often in this book tells us his kind of situation and his kind of person and his kind of feeling, his kind of tender heart. In this point, in the tender-hearted point, Jeremiah is absolute one with God. God could use a prophet like Jeremiah who has the same kind of tender heart to be one with him in this matter, to represent him even on this earth, and he's called a weeping prophet, weeping all the time. This is number two. The number three, you have the third party, Israel. My goodness. Israel is the third person. The first person is Jehovah, and the second person Jeremiah. Jehovah is the tender-hearted God, and Jeremiah is also tender-hearted prophet. They two are one in this matter. Now the third party, this is an ugly party. And this party, Israel, is altogether not one with God. All the time God says to the west, he would go to the east. This is Israel. Then, fourthly, you have the nations. In Jeremiah, the nations are just like the animals. They don't have human spirit. They don't bear any kind of image, any kind of likeness of God. Among them, there is a top one, the leader. Nebuchadnezzar. Eventually, Nebuchadnezzar became an animal. Staying in the wilderness, eating grass there, he became an animal. That indicates, in the eyes of God, all the gentle people are just animals. The book is like a drama. 
If you are going to look at the drama, you must pick up these four parties. God, so tender, so loving, so righteous. And Jeremiah, the same, just a little bit different. God was never timid, but Jeremiah was chicken all the time. <laughs> right? Concerning tender-hearted, oh, care, love, righteous, he's the same. He just got mouthpiece. Then the third party, that's Israel, terrible. Then the fourth party, my the worst, the animals. Francis, I like his characterization. Uh, in a sense, this book is a kind of a drama with these four main characters that uh, really carry the point of the book all the way through, beginning with God, then Jeremiah, then, of course, Israel, not in a good state in this book, and then even worse than uh, Israel, of course, the nations. Maybe you could say a little bit uh, about all four of these parties. Well, I think this is a marvelous help in seeing this whole book. When we get into this kind of introduction, then we realize there is a way to kind of trace it through. Mm -hmm. So uh, these four parties are really quite significant in this book. God, with his tenderheartedness and his righteousness, is matched by Jeremiah, who is also very tenderhearted. And as he mentioned earlier, that he's known as the weeping prophet. Right. I heard of that years ago. Really? But I never realized what he was weeping about until now. <laughs> And then you have Israel, which is really disobedient to God at this time and far away from God, not matching God in any way. So there's a need for this kind of prophet to come in to exalt God before them. And then, finally, the nations that God will deal with. Of course, he will deal with Israel, and he'll deal also with the nations. And that gets to be quite clear that the nations are, as he said, worse than Israel, just like animals, just like those have no spirit. Boy, uh, even ultimately the, the chief among the nations, the Nebuchadnezzar, who yeah. was really the, the dominant uh, uh, figure, Gentile figure on the earth at that time in his uh, history, becomes in a sense an animal through one of the uh, uh, dealings that God uh, renders right. unto him. It's, it's really a horrible thing. I was thinking also, Francis, as we talk here, you have God and Jeremiah on the positive side, mm -hmm. uh, Israel and the nations on the negative side in this book among these four characters. Particularly, I think Christians today look back with some fondness when they consider these marvelous prophets that uh, dominated the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the others, and somewhat long for the days, why doesn't God raise up another Jeremiah? But it's important, I think, to remember that the appearance of one like this generally always indicated that it was necessary because the condition among God's people had gotten so low and so poor. Yes. That's really the case here, isn't it? That's right. That is the case. And that's something we should realize when we love the prophets or we want the prophet to justify our thought about it. But uh, we need somebody that matches God. And God intended to have a people that would match him. Right. But that people had grown so low and even wicked and so disobedient that he needed someone who could speak for him who had his heart, which is manifested by his often weeping and even wailing over the condition of Israel. Well, let's find out a little bit more about this prophet Jeremiah in this coming portion. Here's Witness Lee once again. The writer, Jeremiah, he was born of a priest in a city, not a big city, small city, in the land of Benjamin. And Benjamin is also a small tribe, the smallest 
So altogether, Jeremiah was not a great man, came out of a great city, of a great state. He was born a priest. That was his uh, position by birth. Then he was called to be a prophet. So he was a priest prophet. A young priest became a prophet for 41 years. Within these 41 years, there were three exiles. Eventually, the entire Israel were exiled. That ended their history as God's elect in the eyes of God. That means God gave Israel up. Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was burned, and the people all were ended. God's elect Israel. They all became degraded, but only one person overcoming. That was Jeremiah. He prophesied that Israel will be restored by God. Israel will be brought back by God. And also God will raise up Christ as a shoot of David to be their king. And eventually he will be called by the people of Jehovah, righteousness of Jehovah. Jesus will be their righteousness of Jehovah. A great prophecy. No other books prophesied concerning Christ in this way. That was great. And also, he prophesied that God one day will make a new covenant with Israel. And Paul applied this prophecy to the New Testament covenant. But so to say, the New Covenant became only good for the New Testament believers, not good for the Jews. The Jews didn't have any part in this because of their unbelief and rebellion. So the great part of Jeremiah's prophecy has not been fulfilled. While Francis hears this uh, young man born in a small village, uh, a the smallest tribe, Benjamin, not notoriety in his background or his upbringing, but he becomes one very useful. And some of the prophecies that will emerge from Jeremiah are some of the most marvelous in all of Scripture, aren't they? Pointing to Christ and the new covenant and the restoration. My, this is really a widespread revelation with Jeremiah because he's in such a situation with Israel so low and so far from God, and he's standing somewhat alone being one with God. And I was impressed with the fact that he was born a priest. Yes. And he was called a prophet. I, I think every one called to be a prophet would have to be a priest. So because you have to have that nearness to God and that oneness with God in order to be able to prophesy according to God's economy. And surely when he now is opening up so much about the condition of Israel at this time, we need to see how his tenderheartedness is there, but his righteousness is compelled in him because he's standing one with God who must deal with disobedience. He prophesies negatively uh, at times because of just this fact, the righteous God is dealing with a rebellious people, and uh, he has been called in a way as a kind of a clarion to them to point mm -hmm. out what is going to be the result of that rebellion. And other times the prophecies are marvelous. Mm -hmm. And it is, uh, we just heard you spoke about 
pointing to Christ, pointing to the new covenant in uh, chapter 23, that reference to Christ as the shoot out of David. We'll spend a lot of time on that subject over the uh, coming days as we're in this uh, life study of Jeremiah. Then in chapter 33, of course, the the marvelous new covenant is prophesied by Mm -hmm. Jeremiah, and even Paul picks this up later, of course, in his writings, doesn't he? My, this is marvelous. I don't think I ever saw before that that prophecy with Jeremiah is really uh, picked up and applied to God's people today, to the church. Yeah, and still waiting, in a sense, for it to be applied to Israel, as he said, this part of the prophecy yet to be fulfilled, which yeah. it will be in the coming conclusion of this age and the right. ushering in of the next age. This prophecy will be fully fulfilled even among the remnant of Israel. Uh, but we're still waiting for that today. That's but right. it applies to us today, so that's we can right. say, praise the Lord, Jehovah is exalted. <laughs> Amen, that's right. <laughs> Let's look uh, in Jeremiah chapter 23. I mentioned this matter of the shoot out of David being raised up as a, a foreshadowing or foretelling of the coming of Christ. Let's look at this in chapter 23, verses 3 through 6. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, And I will bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. And I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them. And they will no longer fear or be dismayed, nor will any be missing, declares Jehovah. Indeed, days are coming, declares Jehovah, when I will raise up to David a righteous shoot. And he will reign as king and act prudently and will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called Jehovah, our righteousness. Marvelous. Isn't that marvelous? Marvelous. What a clear picture of Christ presented to the children of Israel and now to us in this Old Testament book. This is really a marvelous prophecy here about what will come, and there will not be one missing and the days are coming. Yes. That's so very rich and full of hope. Let's join Witness Lee as he fellowships on this point. We'll be back for our final words today. Now we come to the subject of Jeremiah. Such a book full of the pitiful history of Israel. The subject is still Christ. Regardless how stupid, how wicked, how rotten Israel, as God's elect, was. Eventually, God still will make Christ the righteousness of Jehovah to God's elect. Who can accuse Israel? No one can accuse. Even Satan cannot, because Christ is here. Christ as the righteousness of God. That means Jehovah becomes the righteousness. Israel doesn't have a bit of righteousness, but Jehovah becomes the righteousness. How about this? I'm a poor one, a beggar. I have nothing. I'm just poor. But God came in. Jehovah came in to say, poor man, I love you with a tender heart. I'm your wealth. And this wealth is Christ. And this Christ is Jehovah. Jehovah to be the righteousness of God's elect. Because Christ become the righteousness to uh, God's elect, so this Christ becomes their center and circumference. 
in God dealing with Israel and the nations. This is a book of God dealing, firstly, with Israel in love, and secondly, with the nations in righteousness. And the center and the circumference of this dealing is Christ. You have to see this. It is not just a matter of God is so tender, so loving, so righteous, and Israel is so uh, stubborn, so deep uh, neck, uh, so vague, so rotten. Then God just chastened them, and they just suffer, and then Jeremiah prophesied and this and that. No, it's not like this. The real intrinsic reality of this book is God dealing with Israel or with the nations for Christ to be the center. Francis, I love how this book portrays these two aspects, the tenderheartedness and his loving heart toward Israel on the one hand, but his righteousness. And he cannot sacrifice one for the other. And in his marvelous economy made a way for both by making Christ to be the righteousness for Israel and for all of his people. That's our God. Isn't it? My, he has to be righteous, so he has to deal with this disobedience and rebellion. But in his heart, always, there is this promise and this expectation that Christ will come forth as a shoot right. out of David so that uh, there is one who is righteous and who is righteousness itself. So this is the one who will be Jehovah, our righteousness. I really love that term, and I have heard this uh, name, Jehovah, our righteousness, Jehovah Tzitkenu. Uh. That really touched me. Many times I've thought about that God, our righteousness. And in the New Testament, Christ is our righteousness. That's right. That means Jehovah is our righteousness. So this is a covenant promise that's for us today and also for Israel in the days to come. He, of course, maintains his righteous standing in his dealing with the nations, but his righteous standing is even more magnified in becoming the righteousness for his people in the new covenant and promised to Israel here in the Old Testament prophet, maintaining his righteousness and becoming our righteousness. As you said, how marvelous is our God? Yes, And he will even be that to Israel. That's right. In the millennium, there will be this marvelous Christ, our righteousness. So all of this fits in with God's eternal economy. Well, I am looking forward to the coming days. Uh, We have some days that will cause us probably to weep and lament as well as we consider the pitiful condition that Israel was in during this time. But what a hope and encouragement to see that Christ is the center and the circumference of uh, this book and of all of God's dealing with Israel and as that is a shadow and type of his dealing with us as well. That's wonderful. Christ, our righteousness. Well, I think it would be good to talk to our listeners a little bit now about the possibility of getting the printed Life Study volume right at the beginning of this Life Study of Jeremiah. It's just one volume, and it covers both the books of Jeremiah and Lamentations, which we will take together, um, these two books by the prophet Jeremiah. So if you'd like to get that and be able to uh, read along, prepare, or follow up our comments with your own study Uh, this would be a great opportunity. You can find out about getting the one volume of Jeremiah and Lamentations if you'll call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send email to us as well, and that's just radio at lsm.org. 
Thank you, Francis, for joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity to get exposed again to this ministry. Yes, me too. And for Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For 21 years, Witness Lee conducted a comprehensive life study, unveiling how the Bible presents Christ coming to be life to man. These audio programs are based on those messages, but to get the full riches of the life study, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. From there, you can read over 1,800 life study messages in their entirety, or download more audio programs like this one, all free of charge. Again, the website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening today. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God, and the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.